0: Mind Chimp podcast hey david welcome to the mindchimp podcast how are we doing
1: i'm good thanks danny i'm good and you yeah i'm
0: not too bad i'm not too bad um it's good to finally kind of get you on here i know i've kind of been following you for a while um in a non-stalkerish way on LinkedIn. in a good way yeah, <laughs> yeah in the best possible way um so it's good to kind of finally yeah get this conversation going
1: yeah thank you and thanks for inviting me danny
0: no, no problem. So I guess before we, we get started, um, I asked you to kind of give me a bit of a summary or a log line of, of kind of who David James is. Can you remember what you said?
1: I, I do remember. Uh, and my log line is that I'm an Ellen deer battling the dark forces of learning mythology for the betterment of the profession via every client.
0: <laughs> I love it. I love it. So I, yeah, go for it. Explain that then. So So where does that come from?
1: um i think that comes from first of all my in-house l d career um i think i think I follow quite a typical path of uh, start off as a trainer um, build out my know-how and my kit bag with psychometrics with programs and uh, dabblings in technology um, and all of that worked fine uh, over several uh, i think three or four organizations but it wasn't until i I suppose I got the um, a, a more senior seat at Disney, and I was director of uh, of learning, talent, and OD. That I realised that that what we're really there to do, um, isn't hold the fault as far as programs are concerned, and um, add more initiatives. And I know this sounds like, of course, it's not. We're there to to help people with the, with the work. But I I think that the way the conversation changed for me. At board level, and the expectation—not um, just of me, but the people of, the, that were in L&D and across the different countries at Disney—it just really struck me that um, if this is, if this is what we're expected to do, which is develop programs and suites of of uh, of content and e-learning, I, I I just think that that we're way off. Um, and I think that what I write about, what I speak about, you know, the conversations I get into, I've realized we've gone straight to the meat of it uh, already, um, is that that I think the conversation that we have amongst ourselves as L and D and the way that, that sometimes we're brought into the profession gets us off on the wrong foot. And really, I don't think that we're learning and development. I think we're performance and capability and learning used to be the predominant tool we'd use um, for um, retention and recall of of knowledge and uh, and skills, but I think those days are long gone, and we are significantly hampering our efforts by remaining as simply learning and development, and people coming up a similar path.
0: Okay, superb. I completely agree. I think in in the world of overstimulus, you know, from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to bed, you're getting bombarded with so much data be it your your social media channels and stuff like that you know i think learning development from a title was probably fit for purpose many many years ago but yeah i think that whole change and we'll probably jump into that in just a second but before Mm. we before we jump in david what's um a couple of random questions so what i need you to do for me first is i need you to pick for me five numbers from one to a hundred
1: all right um 3 you're not going to this isn't my uh, my pin number you're trying to get from me is it? <laughs> <laughs> right i've heard about these scams uh, so 37 uh, 943 and 73 perfect we'll come back to
0: them later on down the line <laughs> so when you was in school and yeah. you know the teacher or whoever would say to what david what is it you want to be when you grow up what was mm. what was the answer you'd give him adamant adamant
1: okay okay yeah. I, I wanted to be adamant from probably when i was about 6 to maybe far too long after maybe about 11 and then i never i didn't let that go either so i, I still wanted to be a musician but yeah from the earliest time i think i just wanted to be adamant
0: okay and so why why adamant <laughs> in particular
1: um i think it just captured my imagination at the, at the time um at top of the Pops was a, a weekly ritual in uh, in our household. And I think at the time, 1980, 1981, um, it just got really exciting. And then Adam and kind of burst onto the scene. And I think he really captured my imagination, both the the songs and, and the performance. Um, and I had a particularly encouraging aunt, uh, Matt, who bought me the albums. I remember going to Stratford Market one time and uh, buying a load of stationery and stuff. And I think it was fueled that way. I think... Just, I just thought it was just he was so exciting. Okay, okay, that's good. It's good to know. <laughs> but the job vacancy hasn't come up yet, so uh, <laughs> I'm yet to fulfil that ambition. We can live in hope. We can live in hope. <laughs> so, I guess
0: before we, you know, we get into the nitty gritty of who David is and stuff like that, I'm just going to suggest come out with some buzzwords. I just want you to tell me what comes to mind when I say these words. Yeah. So, um, classroom training.
1: Uh, over-reliant. Okay. Digital L&D. Um, possibilities.
0: Okay. Learner's engagement.
1: Uh. Limited definition.
0: Okay. And two more. Next one is loop.
1: Um... Incredible first impression.
0: Okay. And the last one is David James.
1: (laughs) Uh, Failed pop star.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, I mean, I guess, you know, obviously for me, I I know who you are. Kind of, I've been following you for a while, but maybe, you know, some of these listeners don't know who David James is and kind of where he is, where he's come from, to where he is right now. So, maybe if you could just give us a bit of a, a brief maybe a little bit of a brief bio of, of kind of where you come from to not probably just before we get to kind of a uh, loop maybe could. yeah
1: okay um, so uh, I I got my first learning and development role in uh, 1998 um, 98 99 I think it was and that was at uh, Lloyd's TSB card services um, I was my full-time job there was um, I was a team leader so um it was a call center. So that very much involved um uh, taking difficult queries. Um and then um I went on a training course around becoming a coach. So you so you listened in on people's calls and you gave them feedback and and helped them to become a better um uh call taker. I can't remember the uh the um the the name now, but that you know, so so sort of operational uh phone stuff. Um, and it was, it was on the training course that I went on for the coaching, um, and the guy who was running the, the program, uh, his name is Robin Fenner. He's now director uh, of L and D, uh, in one part of, uh, American express. Um, but I just, I just was, you know, I, it wasn't quite an adamant moment, but it was, it was pretty incredible, um, uh, seeing this man in action. And I thought, wow, I didn't. I didn't even know that this kind of job existed, so um, that's when I approached Robin and said, "Look, is there? What do I do to to do what you do uh, in a classroom?" So Robin kind of took me under his wing a little bit, uh, and before long, I was uh, uh, running induction for Lloyd's TSB on top of my team leader role. Uh, there was um, I got involved in running that coaching workshop, but um, it didn't quite happen for me um, to join Robin's team full time. I did apply, I got knocked back. Um, a great piece of feedback, actually, Robin told me that I didn't get the role because I didn't have enough anecdotes. Um, I, I think I, I memorized the, the training script, but I didn't have any depth behind it. So, uh, I furiously collected uh, anecdotes from there on in. Um, but it didn't, as I said, it didn't happen for me at Lloyd's CSB. So I joined NatWest, um, uh, a part of their credit card, um, uh, operation. And I was a standalone trainer. And I cut my teeth as I described earlier in the podcast, really, that uh, like a lot of people do, um, you start with perhaps induction, move on to new manager training, um, build out a suite of um, uh, professional skills development, introduce some e-learning, kind of built a learning function from the bottom up. And I was there five years um, until I took an ill-fated move to a division of Lehman Brothers. And I wasn't there long. Um, but I, but I promise you that, uh, that the downfall was nothing to do with, uh, uh me or my, my training, I, I promise. Um, but I was only there a year and I realized it was kind of much of the same. So, um, I went to speak to a, a recruitment agent who said that they had, um, a three month contract at Disney. Um, and I thought, that sounds interesting. So uh, I left a full-time role to take a, a a punt at Disney. And this was just as an LD advisor in the um, EMEA head office in Hammersmith. Um, one thing led to another extended by another six months. At the end of 2006, my boss left and I was asked to, um, to hold the fort for a little while. Um, the new HRD uh, liked the cut of my jib. And I was asked to uh, to take on the, the role of L&D manager for the UK full time. And so that was kind of at the beginning of 2007. Um, I'll say right now, Disney was an incredible experience. I spent eight years there in, uh, in total. Um, I was the, uh, the UK L&D manager for five years, um, before I got asked to take on the role of director of learning talent and OD for the whole EMEA region. So went from growing and building um, and establishing uh, an L&D function for, um, for just the country and building up, um, I suppose, a network amongst uh, my peers, um, um, L&D, has, uh, L&D functions in uh, all its major territories, France, Germany, Italy, uh, Spain and the like. Got involved in some international projects, which was, uh, which was great fun and gave me um, some incredible exposure. Uh, and then I spent um, a, a couple of years then uh, in the, um, that final role, the director role um until twenty fourteen. But I mean that was that was incredible. And that's when, as I mentioned earlier, um, I realized that the the expectation of learning and development at a very senior level was far more than I was exposed to at a more junior level and certainly far more than I was seeing the role. Uh, and at that level very much joining together uh, talent development for um directors and above as well as professional development and, and gluing that together across the region, uh, as well as being the uh, conduit between EMEA and the US, which, was, which of course is the mothership and involved in um, employee engagement uh, and um, uh, strategic foresight, which was uh, an incredible opportunity uh, to be a bit more forward thinking. Uh, in not just in learning and development but try to embed that kind of thinking at disney and i think that's kind of the the way that was sold at the highest level was we don't want to be say another sony where they missed a trick with the walkman and apple came in uh and um uh kind of took their market share of the the portable music market or perhaps a kodak who got left behind um in the, the the um, digital photography world. So this was just making sure that Disney was looking forward uh, and outward enough uh, to make sure that we were capitalising on opportunities and uh, recognising any threats. And of course, there are many in media. Um, but then after, after eight years at Disney, um, I decided I want to go out and do something on my own. So my wife and I, Rowena, um, set up Wecommend which was a uh, kind of digital on, well, it was an online marketplace for um, vendors of learning and development and uh, to receive recommendations by their clients so that we could all see as in-house folks who was highly recommended for what, so that we create a little bit more transparency in the market. But uh, unfortunately, we were un- a- unable to monetize that to any meaningful degree. Um, and that's when uh, and I, I suppose via WeComend. That's how I met Ben from Loop, and I suppose that starts another chapter.
0: <laughs> wow, what what a journey! I guess you know, you know, you've gone from kind of finance being it not not Western stuff to right away through to kind of the big name of Walt Disney. Is anything what you've seen, say, across your whole your your journey up to Walt Disney? Is any any kind of common occurrences what you've seen, maybe? Be in, in management or how how companies work is anything what you've kind of seen where you've gone wow this is exactly like what i did in nat west when, when at Walt disney which was kind of a shock is there anything kind of yeah any common
1: themes what you've seen um i think in learning definitely um every every function i joined was it was a similar pattern it was about establishing a, a core provision and building out from there so it was it it and, 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 and even in the quality of the uh, of the learning, um, I'd say that that when I was first exposed to e-learning in the late 90s at Lloyd's, I thought it was. I uh, uh, I heard about it first, and in my head I had an incredible picture, and it was hugely disappointing. At NatWest, um, again, you put the CD in and think, oh wow, this looks pretty good, uh, and then you get into it and realise it was rubbish. Uh, but joining Disney, I remember thinking, oh, at last, We're, I'm going to experience e-learning the way it's meant to be. Uh, and then I logged onto the LMS and it was as bad as anything I'd seen since the late <laughs> 90s. So I'd say that the, there's a commonality there. I'd say the difference between my Disney role and um, uh, my roles at uh, Bo, I suppose at Lehman's at um, uh, NatWest and Lloyd's is I wasn't exposed to the board um to the degree that I was at Disney, and very, very quickly uh, I was, I was dealing with the UK um, board um, in Disney, and I mean, these executives were some of the smartest people I'd ever met. I do remember. I'll always remember. I was, uh, I was delivering some performance management training to some really senior people uh, in one of the TV divisions, um, and. Uh, i mean I, I knew my stuff and um I, and I always look forward to being challenged by senior folks but these people were just smart off the scale and they do say that uh, that that when you challenge yourself with uh with smart people i want to use the phrase um, what is it iron sharpens iron but I think that might have been uh, overegging my uh, my own ability at that uh, at that time but I realized then that these were these were super smart people and that was one big takeaway I had from uh, from Disney is that they of course, they can attract uh, incredibly smart people. And if you can rise to that challenge, then there is, it's just it's just an incredible experience. But I I mean, other than that, Danny, I I can't, I can't really um, see too many comparisons. But I will say the difference. Um, I I speak to people sometimes who, um, uh, who are looking for new roles in L&D. And they they might say, I don't mind moving sector. Um, But I can, I can say for sure that the culture the, the difference in culture between finance and Disney was unbelievable. I mean, it, it was almost like people from a different planet. I remember the first time I uh, went to a meeting at Disney, and somebody was sitting there with their legs crossed on their chair, and my first thoughts were, "What on earth are you doing?" And i <laughs> just thinking, I mean, it's just the total opposite of what you'd experience at uh, uh, in finance, where people have. Quite a, a a prominent mask, um, of a professional mask. But at Disney, it was that was right down. But I suppose what that allowed then is that that people were really communicating on a very genuine level. Uh, it was this this is me. I'm comfortable, and let's do business. So I'd say that there were definitely more differences in the business, um, uh, say Disney compared to finance, but in L and D. Um, I'd say that it was very, very similar. And the more people I speak with, the more I realize that, uh, that it's, a, it's, a, it's a similar um, uh, growth trajectory of a, of, a, of a learning and development or back then training and development function, which is um, start in the classroom, um, develop the skills of a, of a trainer and facilitator, uh, broaden into course development. Um, have a uh, experiment with technology, and build out from uh, from there. So I see I see I see a lot of similarities there.
0: Okay, that's really interesting. I think it it's it's really interesting. You know, we we'll definitely touch upon loop because I want to really get into that, and and we um, commend as well. But I think it's really interesting. You know, when 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 you kind of at the forefront of something, what you do doing, I like to think I'm kind of out there with my ideas and, and how, how L&D, if you like to use that term, should be done. I think in an industry, when you look, especially in a situation where I'm in right now where I'm looking for you know a role or something, when mm-hmm. you look at the the roles that are out there, you just think, wow, the industry is, is so far behind.
1: You it's might... almost like using a different map, an old map, Danny. It's like uh, the... Um... You know, imagine taking an aeroplane or a boat now with a with a map that was designed centuries ago. And I think that uh, a lot of job descriptions I see um, these days, it's an old map that people want um, a load of skills. And it's almost the skills now that we recognise are required for modern learning and development are almost the cherry on top of the cake. But you've got to have all of this other stuff. Um, it's almost it's almost like a procurement for an LMS. Just ask for everything, and uh, and let's see if we can get it. But it's um yeah, it's I think it's 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 not where we are now.
0: It's crazy. It's crazy. And so just touching upon the skills. So I guess um I put a question out on LinkedIn and Twitter to find out if there's any questions anyone would like to ask you. And mm. one come through which was um what roles do you see existing in a modern L and D world? You know, looking at what we know from LD probably from five years to kind of maybe forecasting for in five years' time. Is there any, any roles you see kind of rising to the top, what maybe don't exist right now?
1: Um, I'm, I'm not sure whether they don't. Um, I'm, I'm going to be touching on what doesn't exist, but I, I, I've, got, I've certainly got a handful of, uh, of, uh, of skills, and um, uh, I, don't, I, th- I think some of them are, um, are just ways of uh, thinking and, and, and roles as well. Uh, the first one I'd say, Dan, is, um, is leadership. Because if we're going to break out of uh, – I, I wrote a blog um, quite recently called L&D is Stuck and here's, how, um, here's what we need to do about it. And um, it taps into what I was mentioning before. L&D is stuck because when you build a provision out from the middle, which is um, you do induction, new manager training, um, core skills development, compliance, and all of that, everything grows out at the next levels to service the core you get an LMS and you get content to service the core um, you get you look for new and novel solutions to service the core you're always going back to revisit rehash or or overhaul but but what i realized at disney and when i when i'm meeting with very senior learning and development people is that 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 core it's kind of, it's like kind of like mudslinging it's if you sling enough mud then some of it's going to stick but if you start from the outside with leadership you're only doing stuff that the organisation needs to achieve its goals. Which so so if you've got, um, uh, for if we look at uh, the majority of organisations right now, are, uh, are looking to to go through some kind of digital transformation, some kind of global expansion. Um, so if you can support people. To do that, like what what is it? What are the knowledge and skills that they need in order to do their jobs? Uh, when you add into that some workforce planning, we see that roles are changing all of the time. And then, if learning and development are servicing the um, the the business of what I call in the in the blog that outer ring, then we really do add value. There's none of this. Oh, well, I want a seat at the table, or um, are we adding value? There's no measuring learning and development by bums on seats or or satisfaction ratings. It's on whether um, your client group are more equipped than they were to solve the problem that they highlighted to you was a real problem than they were before you got involved. So, so I think it's absolutely integral that leadership is required in modern learning and development because when it's built out from the core, we get stuck and locked in classrooms uh, and our poor clients get locked in, uh, in LMSs as well. So I'd say that was number one. Then on a more uh, tactical and everyday level I'd say performance consultancy um, because we need to be having we need to be talking the language of the business rather than what training do you need or what learning do you need or uh, you know um, I suppose it's never going to be as crude as that today but if we were saying uh, if we we're asking managers and leaders what it is they need from learning and development invariably it comes down to courses. Um, it's like it's like Uh, L&D walking around with the training hammer, you know, looking for nails to hit, but performance consultancy is very different. It's look again, it's going from that leadership perspective of, um, okay, what, what needs fixing now? What friction is there that needs addressing on employee user journeys that we can solve now together, whether it's a, then a course or whether it's a resource uh, or whatever it takes. Um, But performance consultancy, um, looking at business and performance problems uh, rather than looking for learning and training needs. I'd say agile project management alongside that, and not because it's a buzzword at all. Uh, it's because we have, when, we, when we're not looking for learning uh, problems uh, and we're looking for business performance um, uh, problems uh, and friction, we can address those very, very quickly. Um, but an agile methodology as opposed to waterfall means that we can address those sometimes in real time uh, with and for the client. So agile certainly isn't a buzzword. Uh, It is uh, a way that that, uh, the L&D functions like that at Sky have organized themselves and continue to organize themselves to service an enormous client base, but focus on solving real problems and not feeding an LMS full of content or filling classrooms full of people. I'd say that um, what is just as important as those are relationships and connecting. So the ability to build uh, strong relationships within uh, within a business, uh, not just with potential clients, but also with potential subject matter experts, because the ability to connect expertise with need is absolutely crucial. I'm a firm believer that most organizations, if not every organization, uh, already has the, uh, the expertise it needs to succeed. It's just not uh, accessible to the rest of the organization. And as an direct opposition to filling an LMS full of content or a, um, a program schedule full of courses, uh, if we can understand who has the information that others need to address friction, then L&D can be the connectors. Uh, in order to bring that together building bridges rather than like let's say houses filled with uh with filled with content um building on that the confidence to um um to suggest and build resources before courses. Nick Shuckerton Jones uh, I, I came up with the phrase, I think 2010, I've uh, looked at his um, uh, blog going back as far as, and that's that's a good number of years before, uh, before that came to my attention. But uh, recognizing the value of giving people the tools when they need the tools in order to do the work that they're trying to do. Again, addressing friction in real time. And the way I, I, I describe that to people is, uh, if you look at presentation skills, you'd you, um, on the surface, you'd say, well, it's a, it's a skill that involves people, so it has to be done in a classroom. But I always say, yeah, but what questions or what friction were employees facing before it was suggested to them or before they uh, decided that they need to go on a presentation skills course? I bet you they were doing their work, and now they've hit a piece of friction that could easily be addressed in the workflow, So, such as how do I write a presentation here in this organisation? What kind of templates do I need to use? What do our more expert uh, presenters do that I could learn from here? Um, How do I address my nerves? What, What are the general expectations? All of this stuff we could just unpack because and the majority of the time, up people are going to Google to ask those questions that could simply be addressed within an organisation uh, with its context, with a view to helping that person with what they're trying to do. And then, you know, there's quite a lot uh, being spoken about personalization and AI in, uh, in L&D. But how smart would it be then if somebody types in uh, or is looking for, how do I write a presentation? Um, in their organization then to be surfaced for them resources that say, uh, and these are the templates that you should use, and here are some of the top tips. And do you know what I mean? So, so it really is focused on the work and the person and not on learning in, uh, in inverted commas. And just to just to whittle through the last three uh, on here, uh, otherwise I think we're going to get to the end of the time, <laughs> Daddy. Uh, basics of video production, so you know the language, if not the, the skills. Digital marketing, so that we're making sure that uh, our client groups are aware of what value that they can gain from interacting with us and our, um, and our solutions, our resources, conversations of the like. And uh, last but by no means least, this is the wraparound. Uh, people might call it data science, data analytics, but I think the ability to interpret data is absolutely critical, again, so we're not throwing mud at walls and measuring stuff that only has uh, a slight connection to learning. Such as you know um, completion, attendance, satisfaction, and the like but but um why are we what concerns are there that uh, that people have um, how do we um, how do we isolate exactly who that is, and how do we know that this is making the difference that it needs to for those people you know and and all the touch points along the way, especially if we 're looking at digital marketing uh, with regard to uh, to uh, reach and engagement, and the like so those there, Danny, on my eight. So leadership, performance consultancy, agile, relationships, um, resources before courses, uh, basics of video uh, production, digital marketing, and interpreting data. And I um, rem- I left out trainer on purpose.
0: Okay. 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 Good. I mean, I feel, I feel <laughs> like that is a, a, a real good topic. What could be a whole podcast on its own? Um. But let's, let's just change gears a little bit and let's get yep. a little bit more about kind of who David James is. So if I was to say to you, you know, you've got, you can give a, a gift of a book to three of your friends. What book would you give to him?
1: Oh, crikey. Um, I, I think that, if I, if I if I thought of uh, a book that that could be liked by quite a few I'd probably go for high fidelity by Nick Hornby
0: okay okay and, and what is it in that book where you think free people potentially would would benefit from it
1: um I'm not sure they'd uh, they benefit I think they'd enjoy it I think that uh, that that um that if I was going to give someone a book and write a message inside I'd probably give them that book and go there's there's a little bit of me in this book have a read and and enjoy it i think i think that for that reason i think it's it's just a a, a really heartfelt up and down great great book um yeah i think i think just 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 cuz it's fun and hopefully they'll enjoy it
0: okay superb so 8020 so we know you know if you use it as from a kind of a mobile phone point of view, you know, 20% of the contacts in my phone, I'll dial 80% of the time and the other 80% I'll probably dial 20% of the time. A very very crude wrap up. What would you say is your favourite 80-20 hack? What you use maybe on a daily basis in your, perf- in your personal life, your professional life?
1: An 80-20 hack? I don't know. Have you got any other examples?
0: So, um... Let's say maybe it's something around, you know, if it was to, say, create a proposal for something, you know, you have a very set template where normally if it was very bespoke, you'd have to, you know, kind of build every single template out where basically you might have a a hack, which is a very, I call them a base layer proposal where it's got Mm -hmm. everything in there and it kind of allows me to speed through something quicker.
1: Oh, right. So, so nothing to do with work. My 80-20 is I listen to Radio 6 Music every single day. And I've got a, and whilst a lot of the stuff I really enjoy, I have a playlist on Spotify. So I Shazam all the songs that I really like on it. And um, I will um, put those into a playlist I call 6 Music Gifts. So on days when I just want to hear the great music that 6 Music do, I play that playlist which is probably 20% of the songs, um, and, and not at the, the fully um, dismissed the other 80. There's nothing to do with work, Dad. It probably makes no sense, but is that all right? Yeah, no, no, that's, <laughs> that's perfect.
0: And, and I guess this is what it's all about. It's all about, you know, the, the person behind the learning right now. And, you know, maybe it might be something that someone might never have heard of Shazam, so you've just made their life <laughs> a little bit easier. So what's been your, your most positive failure? And it sounds a bit weird to say it like that, but what's the one thing where maybe it was a failure and in a moment you didn't see it as that, but then later on down the line you've gone, wow, I'm so glad that happened to me as I would have never been in this position.
1: Yeah. We commend would have been it. I, uh, uh, when I left Disney, I, I really wanted to work in a tech startup, uh, but I thought no one's going to no, know. I mean, I've got, I thought I had nothing to give to a tech startup. So uh, when Rowena and I started that up, we wanted, we wanted that life. Um, but, we, we couldn't make it a a viable commercial proposition, but the contacts that we made as as a result of it, um, uh, I've been extraordinary. Um, Rowena's now working, uh, uh, her her current employer as a result of, uh, we commend. So is mine with loop. Um, people that I'm in contact with so often are are via, we commend and there was so much goodwill, um, um, put towards us as well. Um, people that I'm, I'm not in touch with now, but everybody just willed it to work. Um, and it, yeah, it was, um, look, I started, um, uh, writing content as a result of that. And that's the only reason you and I are talking uh, today, Danny. So it's been, um, it was a glorious failure. Uh, and I, and I don't mind saying so we really gave something a, uh, a go. Um, and yeah, only, only good stuff's come out of it. And, um, if I'm honest. Okay, okay, good, good.
0: So, I guess, and these are just kind of little quick fire rounds, but don't get me wrong, if, if you know, if, if your question is expanded, then that, that's completely fine as well, David. So, mm-hmm. if you was to buy a big billboard, okay, let's say outside a football stadium, mm-hmm. and on that billboard you can put a message on there which will impact the thousands of people that come out of the stadium, mm-hmm. what would be the message you would put on that billboard?
1: Listen to The Huey Show at 10 a.m. Uh, on Radio 6 Music every Saturday. Okay. okay. It's Seriously, it's just brilliant. It sets me up, like, starts my Saturdays off a tree. It's amazing. And he does say every day. He says, it's the people's jam. Tell your friends.
0: Okay. So <laughs> I tell everyone. I'm going to give that a go. I'm going to give that a go. <laughs> so what's, what's the love-hate? I kind of guess, you know, the role what you're in now, and maybe, you Mm. know, maybe it's not in the role what you're in now, maybe it's your whole experience and and the industry as a whole. What would you say the thing, what's the thing what you most dislike? What's the thing you'd love to hate about kind of the industry? Um, And you can rephrase that question to whichever way you want to. Yeah, I'd
1: say that uh, there's, there's nothing I hate. Cause I do, I honestly think that, uh, that this is an industry of, of good people trying to do good things. Um, but I do have frustrations and probably my biggest frustration is the, uh, the misunderstanding that our role is learning. Um, there is such a focus on making our learning better and our learning content better and to retain the learning, accelerate the learning and the like that we've missed the, we've missed the trick completely. Um, this is about work. This is about, um, people's performance and what they hold dear to them as individuals um not our learning i'll give you an example uh, that that the people that i've worked with and, and myself as well we we go to work for for good reason like to earn money to provide um for our families for um uh, personal achievement for challenges that are important to us and we, prob- we probably hope to, to learn and grow as a result of that. But learning and development seems so focused on the learning element, we've kind of missed the trick. When you know, I, I see it all the time. I think we all see this all the time. We, we say, our people don't like to learn, um, or our people don't have time to learn, our people don't do this, our people don't do that, and we're thinking, yeah, but they're, they're, doing, they're doing the thing that they should be doing and they want to be doing. And we've created this castle over here, which is almost nowhere near them. Uh, in fact, I'd probably say it's a, rather than a castle, it's a rabbit warren. We've gone down the learning warren. Um, and now we're nowhere near the earth as these people are you know, are looking and going, yeah, yeah no, I'll, go, I'll come along to your course. Yeah, we've got a new LMS. Yeah, I'll check it out. Don't worry about that. You know, as they're going about, they've got really solid reasons to want to learn and to want to be better at their roles and to progress within an organization. But we've gone so far down the learning route that we've missed that and we don't see it. And I think that until we start looking at, you know, Sky called themselves the, uh, the people development team. ASOS, they are the uh, the people experience team. Um, until we look up and we realize that this is about performance and capability, this is about the people, their motivations and what they're trying to do, I think we'll continue to, to miss the trick. And the big misnomer in all of it is learning. The word learning in the um, in the title.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I was talking to Nick Jackson Jones a couple of weeks ago and mm-hmm. he was saying, you know, kind of he he's pulled the term learning pretty much out of, you know, anything what they designed it's it, you know, the term learning is kind of, you, you don't really see it much in what they do now. Um, I love um, ASOS's people experience. I think that's, mm. that's perfect because fundamentally people just want to get better at what they're doing now. Yeah, you know, we, we make the assumption that oh, you, you want to go on this course, you want to do this, and you want to do that. But actually, it's performance support. They just want to be able to do what we are doing now better.
1: Yeah, that's right. And 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 tap into their motivation. I think as soon as we start creating things for our purposes, because there wasn't a provision before it, uh, for it before I mentioned whether it be induction, new manager training, you know, our brand new presentation skills course. You know, we we're removing it from from their world. You know, and you know, we we might then deliver stuff at them or we'll give them experience over a day two days three days and the like but almost the longer it is the further it is from the, from from it being useful and i and i said so this that's the that's the big thing for me and i think that that we really need to get our head out of the rabbit warren um to 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 get back to where people are again i'll go back to what um uh, tracy and her team at uh, sky are doing they don't talk learning um we've got a a, a report um i've, I've, I've report being written by Fosway as a case study on, on Sky and what they're doing. Um and um, Tracy was adamant there that they don't they don't talk about competencies. Um there, there's no L and D jargon. They talk the language of the business and provide solutions for the business up all levels. They do. They have resources. There's no courses. Uh, they have conversations that bring people together to solve real problems. Um, and they have so much credibility in the business. It's ridiculous. Um, so there's just one example of, uh, of where this is. It's, it's, it's just really working. And I do find, going back to that blog that I wrote um, um, and published recently, that very senior L&D leaders get it. They have the conversations. They're pressed on this stuff all the time. Um, so I'm hoping that, that we're seeing a sea change, but uh, but we could certainly accelerate it by le- removing the word learning uh, from our title and recognizing it's just one tool we have in our kit bag and probably the least efficient way of um, that we have uh, of affecting performance.
0: Okay, cool. So, I mean, just touch upon the role which you're in now, David, so mm-hmm. if I was to say to you, tell me what it is you do in the role that mm-hmm. you're in now. I want you to explain it to me like a three-year-old. If I was a three-year-old, how would you tell me what you do?
1: Um, I help people help other people to get better at their jobs. Boom. Perfect. I love it. (laughs) That was easy. That was easy. So... Let's talk I've about... got a four year old daughter. <laughs> Just <laughs> yeah. imagine her. Sorry, um, but also, like, looked at her as if to think, do you know what? She's she's gonna want a lolly for say like for for, for listening to that, or <laughs> you're already thinking about Peppa Pig or something.
0: I love it. I love it. So let's talk about let's talk about loop, then. So mm-hmm. yeah, talk to me about loop. I mean, what what is loop? For the people who don't know, kind of mm-hmm. walk me through how how kind of you know loop came about, what it does. How it's perfect for the need and yeah, just walk me through the loop experience.
1: Well, I I I take you back to my first experience of uh, of loop and in uh, in 2014 I would I went to the CIPD um, exhibition and it was the week after I'd left Disney. I went armed with a load of Commend business cards, thinking that I'd speak to all these providers and we get a load of people. Um, Uh, logged on as a result. And uh, the first stall I went to was Loop. I've never heard of Loop. Uh, Ben gave me a big smile, um, welcoming uh, handshake. We had a bit of a chat and he said, look, can I uh, kind of show you what this is? Uh, He started to do a demo on Loop, which is um, an online learning platform um, in in the crudest sense. But as he was um, showing me this, I said to him, this is the first piece of learning technology that I would use. And that was a huge epiphany for me. I've been peddling e-learning since the, you know, the late 1990s. So for 15 years, Um, and as as I mentioned before, with um, with with mostly disappointment. Uh, But as he was showing me this, I just thought, this is so grown up. This is this is just treating people like adults. And I said to him, I could see. I could see everybody using this because all he was doing is like a publishing tool. He was taking information, stuff that was important for me, put it in the context of a job, publishing it, and show me how you could get that out to people really quickly. And I was like, the, the possibilities for this are endless. Um, you know, it was just really clean, really easy to use. And Ben and I chatted then for about a year as they developed out the proposition. Cause what I didn't know is that they pretty much just got a working MVP to the exhibition to see if they could prove the concept. So over a year they developed it out. They, uh, they're having lots of conversations with organizations. Um, but, uh, but in the, the following February, so February, uh, 2015, Ben, uh, gave me a call. Um, good timing, actually. What with uh, what was going on with WeCommend, and asked, "How do you fancy coming over to the dark side, um, <laughs> to the vendor <laughs> side?" Um, and I, and I just said, "Look, I'm I'm in. I believe I believe in this and uh, what you guys are doing." Um, and that the whole idea of Loop is, you know, make learning work. Um, I, I mentioned before that uh, that 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 learning's worse. Uh, the worst experience of learning sometimes is that it's down in the rabbit warren. But if we could get close enough to work, um, close enough to the real problems, to the real friction points that people are facing, then we can solve these with the Nick uh, um, Shackleton-Jones mantra of resources, not courses. Um, Then it's, it's, you know, this, this is what digital technology can, uh, can do. So uh, what we what we do and what my role as digital learning strategist at uh, at Loop is, is to find out what the real problems are. Uh, L&D sometimes think that the problem is they don't have content or they need an online element of a particular initiative like induction or new managers. And what we do is, um, using agile methodology, is bring your target audience into a room uh, to figure out where the actual friction points are create resources where they're uh, required just to test to see whether this is going to help address that, that friction and help the person with what they're trying to do, uh, but also recognize where conversations might help. Um, and, and again, this is just it's just in a very lean manner. We, we, we're trying to avoid any waste. We're trying to um, uh, prototype, uh, solve real problems, and scale only what works. And the Loop platform uh, does that in a, in a very clean and uh, lean way. Uh, lean as in it's built for the user, not built for l d um, sometimes we don't get through procurement because we don't have all the bells and whistles and and, and stuff but our engagement is through the roof. Um, and skype um, again it's a it's a great example uh, when they were choosing uh, their platform and they went with us they uh, put them uh, the platforms through user acceptance testing so they put it into the hands of the users and loop one every time. Um, It was it's just about uh, how can you help people with what they're trying to do anyway so they can get on, remove the address of the friction and be more confident and competent as a result of their interaction. So that kind of in a nutshell is uh, is loop. but, uh, But our whole thing is we're going to get closer and closer and closer to the work. Uh, We um, we using I don't want to say algorithms or AI um, to to make sure that the the right stuff is surfaced for people because we always uh, we do recognise that uh, people don't want to go to the LMS a lot of the time if uh, um, people people will Google or you know or go to to their own trusted sources so how can we always remind people of the value that they can gain uh, and anticipate what they're trying to do along their entire user employee journey. So again, what we what we challenge is that if we stop L&D thinking in terms of their initiatives, which are induction, new manager training, core skills development, career management, and start thinking like an employee and mapping out their user journeys, again, addressing one um, real friction point at a time, that we can glue these together to create one continuous Uh, employee experience and surface these, uh, the the right resources when they need it. Use data continuously to refine that to make sure that people are supported and guided through their employee experience. And that kind of, in a a nutshell, is Loop. Okay.
0: So I I was speaking to um, a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago who I think he's been using Loop where he works recently, or he's had some kind of interaction with Loop. And he couldn't. He could not sing its praises high enough. It. He just said it's literally like a breath of fresh air. So I think you know it's easy. It's easy kind of for you to say it because you know you're invested within the business. But when you hear the users who are saying this, it just adds so much weight to kind of of what it is. I mean, me me personally, I'm I'm not really, um, I'm not merely used Loop. Um, I look forward to using it in the future. I think I think from what I know of it, it seems like it's a a great a great tool. It's brilliant. Yeah. So I guess with with kind of the future of Loop, how how do you see this? What's kind of your your ideas with Loop moving forward? Is it a case of just kind of continue to you know speak about how good it is and kind of what's what's the the probably the next steps for Loop?
1: Yeah. So we we're already um, broadening the uh, the proposition. Um, but the, the future as in long-term future, we see that, uh, technology will enhance the way people work, but it's not going to be in a stop work to learn kind of way. It's always going to be in a, um, a minority report or the way I've, I've described it is you've, you've seen, have you seen aliens, Danny, Yeah. the movie right at the end when Ripley is in the, um, uh, the great big yellow robot thing <laughs> yeah. where, and then all of a sudden she's big enough and strong enough to take on the alien. And we see that technology will do that for people, that that we always need humanity. And I think that that people want to do business with people. But if we could slip on our digital suit, uh, which made our working lives um, even um, uh, more successful in what we were trying to achieve both as employees and as people trying to manage our careers. Uh, So standing on top of our technology, Plus the aggregated, uh, aggregated, sorry, expertise, know-how, intelligence of our colleagues, then we produce incredible work. At the moment, some of the time we're uh, hampered by our technology. I think email is the perfect example of that. Email almost degrades a lot of roles to administration, um, as do a lot of. Um, uh, outdated and not so helpful technologies. But yeah, our future of loop is that we are gonna, we're gonna supercharge people. And we're on that journey. Uh, at the, at the moment we're on a, on a journey and our route in is via learning and development, helping everybody, uh, who's a client to be, um, uh, a, 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 a learning and development professional who's addressing the real challenges of their business, looking to equip every client within that organization. But yeah, the, the, the future, we are not going to be confined to the platform. Uh, we are we are steadfast on this goal of um, uh, of equipping every employee to uh, to do what they want to do, to be the best they can be, um, rather than necessarily just looking to digitise L&D.
0: Okay, perfect. I, I completely agree. I think you know the more high tech we go, the more human touch we need to be as well. With that, you know, there's there's actually a risk that everything becomes so so digital that we're in a we're in a universe where we can constantly stay connected but be so far out of touch with the people in a real life situation So
1: yeah we've got i mean with digital with social media and uh and phones now we're, we're in the uh um uh, this ages version of pong um you know in 1913 <laughs> early 1970s you're playing um you know a really crude uh, video game you know and you know and everyone's granddad would look and say what on earth are you doing and Call of Duty has come out of it. Like, what we're doing is we're walking along on our phones, and and let's be let's be fair to people as well. And I, I you know I, I do think that to uh, I'll put my caveat in first. I think these things are built for dopamine. So so I think that, that um Facebook, Twitter, they want our attention. They know how to to um, to get us. Um, scrolling more. But these are windows into a world that isn't there otherwise, and we're in touch with people. You Again, you and I are talking um, uh, as a result of social media, Danny. Uh, I'm able to, uh, to see what my um, cousins are up to. I take a look and I'll, I'll like and a comment and we'll feel in touch. Uh, it's pretty much eliminated the, the, the horrible experience of going around someone's house looking at their holiday photos. you know. And every time I see someone looking into their phone, I, look at, I see them looking into a window that they've created, which is a better life than the dark walls on an underground tube and let's get that and we can address the fallacy that everyone was talking to each other um before phones came along or that's going to happen people are in <laughs> um reading the um uh, the metro uh, like, like we, we like if I was sitting on the toilet I'd be reading the back of the Vosine um uh, bottle. Do you know what I mean? I, I, I'd be looking at the ingredients in a shampoo. Um, like we, we were doing this. It's just a lot more useful now. Uh, and I think that this is only touching the surface of it. Social media right now is the pong of its day. And this is going to help us to connect, again, more meaningfully over time. But look, like, like with anything, it, it requires a little bit of know-how, probably need to get our fingers burnt a little bit. Um, be, to be able to manage ourselves, but um, but I think it's I think it's a, a, a hugely positive thing. And and it, it just I, th- I think to throw uh, out as well is that I don't think that there'd be uh, the movements across um, uh, countries now to reduce the amount of waste in the world and that's going into our um, oceans if it wasn't for the absolute transparency and the stuff being shared on social media. So I do think it's a it's a real force for good.
0: Okay. Perfect. So let's change it up a little bit. Let's change speeds again. (laughs) So some questions are random, as you probably have kind of gathered by now, David. So if Mickey is a mouse and Donald is a duck, what's Goofy?
1: Goofy's, um, he's a strange dog cow thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Um, Yeah, I don't know that one. Okay, cool. <laughs> I will leave that one
0: with you, so you can go and Google that later on. Um, okay, so what's a, what would you say that the top three resources are right now? So let's 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 kind of define what we mean by that. So you can't just say Google. What's mm. maybe it's the sites what you go to is Google, but what's the free resources you use right now on your
1: day to day life? So I use um, Newsify. Um, I think that's a, it's a, it's a really good aggregation app that helps me look at, uh, bloggers as well as, um, uh, more established, um, publication houses like Harvard business, uh, review, which I, which I check every day, um, fast company, uh, which I, uh, which I'm a fan of as well. Uh, LinkedIn. Um, I, I, do like, I do like LinkedIn. Um, I think that it's taken a bit of a turn in the last year or so. I, I, um, Uh, I mean, for the better. I think there's some great shares, and I really do love reading uh, other people's blogs, Um, uh, like in in the L and D, in the business and the and the digital space. Um, And let's think. I like, I like Medium um, for the same reason. I know that to the, I could probably include that within Newsify, but I subscribe to Daily Medium posts as well. And I think that there is real deep expertise in there um, of people who really know their stuff, sharing uh, what they know. And I think it's um, just a really well put together app, brings really top quality stuff to your uh, attention on the Daily Digest. And I say that that those were probably my, my three go-to resources.
0: Okay. Okay. So, if you wasn't doing what you was doing now, and you wasn't in the industry what you're in, what would what what would you be doing?
1: Um. Crikey, I really don't know. I really. I mean, if um. Yeah, I I. I can't imagine not being in uh, learning and development now. Um. Okay. That's, and that's back, I, might go, I might go back if uh, if, uh, um, if if all's lost in this profession, I might I might start up a, a um, uh, an Adamant tribute band and, uh, <laughs> and scratch that itch.
0: There's nothing wrong. With, sometimes that itch <laughs> never goes away. So I guess you know, and I'm just being a bit wary of your time because obviously we're coming up to nearly the hour now. Um, what's kind of if if you could get in touch with the 70 year old you now? And they mm. could give you a bit of advice. What advice would they give you? What you're still struggling to take.
1: The seventy-year-old me, yeah, um, would probably say there was there was never there was nothing ever to worry about. Just just enjoy the moments. Just enjoy the moments as they are. And and I read something really lovely the other day on. Uh, uh, on Facebook, you know, sometimes there are those really rubbish stories. But it really sort of struck me. It was a really short one. It said that uh, there was a, um, a a young mother, like with uh, and the and the dad with two young kids, and they were like struggling along. They, you know, blah blah blah, usual usual parent stuff. And uh, and a seventy-year-old person uh, or, or so said, "Those were the days." And it really had her wow. think, "Crikey, like maybe this is as good as it gets." Uh, and that's that's really made me think as well that uh, that as as frenetic as it can be and uh, and difficult to get time to be husband and wife to be an individual um, with uh, with a young family it's to 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 just enjoy everything as it is and don't don't wish it away and that's what I kind of think my 70-year-old self would say
0: okay superb so a couple more questions I think we're done so quick one when you lose focus and life becomes a little bit insane and it all gets a bit too much how do you switch off or how do you regain that focus? What, what things do you do?
1: So, um, probably one of two things I might go for a walk. Um, I, uh, I do love, I do love a bit of a walk. Um, but secondly, I've just started doing the headspace meditation just to help be in the moment a little bit more. And I think that, uh, that that discipline of, of, of maintaining calm or, um, recognizing thoughts is really helpful especially when there's so much going on elsewhere. So a good walk or a a meditate.
0: Okay, perfect. So we talked about kind of um, at the beginning, we asked you to name, well, to get some numbers together. Um, And these numbers tally up to a kind of list of random objects, which I've got. So do you want to know what your your numbers tally up to? Yes, please. You've got a bottle cap, a ice cube, um, a thread, like a needle and thread. Mm. You've also got a stocking. And the last one which you had is a vase. So using these four things, uh yeah, let's say four for just argument's sake, it's easier. Using these four things, what you're on a desert island. What do you do with these with these um four items?
1: Um I think I'd suck on the ice cube. Okay. Um I would um, play a game of throw the the bottle cap in the vase and see if i could master that over longer distances and um i would probably get quite adept at <laughs> repairing or making new clothes with the um uh, <laughs> with, with giant leaves and uh and the needle and thread <laughs> perfect. perfect well the thing is david is I
0: had lots and lots of questions which we could have gone through and I, this could, I truly believe this could have been a good three-hour conversation. Um, <laughs> but at the start, I asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up and you mentioned you know, you wanted to be adamant. Now, yeah. obviously, we're in an industry where we we acknowledge the fact that we're always developing as a person, as whatever. So we never really truly get to a point where we stop growing up. So if I was to ask you that question now, to the David James now, what is it you want to be when you grow up? What would your answer be?
1: Um, wow. Um, I think I th- it sounds crass, like wiser seems crass, but I think it goes, goes to before, but the only other part, like I mean, like I think it goes down to the, like the, um, what's important to you. And I just want to be, I just want to be a, a great husband and a great dad. And I think that the rest of it, I'll just keep as work.
0: Okay. And that's, that's perfectly fine. So, David, where can people find out a little bit more about you and a little bit more about Loop?
1: So um, you can find Loop. Our, our website is loopwith3o's.co. Um, so loop.co. Um, we, uh, My Twitter handle is David in Learning, And I also have my own blog, which is Modern Learning in Practice.
0: Okay, perfect. I'll put all them into the show notes as well, along with the article which you mentioned As well, I'll get them all signed in.
1: Brilliant. Thanks, Danny.
0: David, well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, Thank you for taking the time out. It's been great.
1: it's been great. Thanks, Danny.
0: No problem, David. Thanks. Bye-bye.